Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Candor Podcast. Billy Polson, the founder of Diacati Fitness Performance Life and the Business Movement, uh, yes. joins us today. And uh, just like most relationships, uh, we found each other on Instagram. I think I like something of his. He likes something of mine. The messages started and we realized we had a lot more in common. So we wanted to jump on a, a podcast. Uh, the business move, it's really what I, I really want to dive into because we have a lot of good qualities there. Uh, it exists basically to assist fitness professionals with building and achieving their ideal fitness vision based on, you know, certain principles and education tools and things like that. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. to talk about that. But uh, Billy's just back from uh, Mexico. So Billy, welcome back. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a good break. I'm ready to get back to work though. So Billy... Tell everybody who may not be familiar who you are, how you got started, and we can kind of go from there. Definitely. So, uh, Billy Polson, I originally from North Carolina, but I live in San Francisco. I've uh, been here for the last 25 years, actually. Uh, this is the half of my year, half of my life I've lived here. So, it kind of feels like home now. Um, you know what? I did not start in the fitness industry. I, um, fitness was just a side hustle. I was a statistics major in college. I went to Chapel Hill, uh, back East. And, um, I honestly, at that time, I, like 20 years ago, 1998, I had been doing some computer programming, technical stuff for a while. And I just didn't feel like I could make money in the fitness industry. So I never went in that direction. But I got so miserable sitting behind that desk and that computer that honestly, that was the drive. That was the impetus. Right. Like, all right, you have got to be happier at work every single day. So uh, back in 1998, made the jump into doing independent personal training. I uh, did that for about six years in a really small independent personal training gym in San Francisco. There weren't a lot of facilities like that. Uh, I, I had never worked on staff. I'd only done an independent practice. But most of the independent training facilities were very small. So honestly, I started looking at the market. I was going to Crunch at the time. Crunch was a great facility. This is back again in 1998. Crunch was one of the facilities that was actually uh, kind of on the forefront of service and customer experience for the for general fitness gyms. Uh, and then our, our independent training gym was a totally different ballgame. Really no amenities, no services. So I was looking at the market. I was like, there should be something that combines that incredible five-star general membership gym experience with the experience of being an independent trainer. So you have all the amenities and services as a client and as a trainer uh, that you would find at like a five-star Equinox or something, but in a facility that is run for independent trainers. So you don't have to be a staff trainer. You can run your own business in them. So we started trying to build a business model based on that. And uh, in 2004, we opened Diacati Fitness. So Diacati is a, an independent trainers uh, facility. So all of our trainers, we have no trainers on staff. They all are running their individual practice out of our facility. 
Uh, we have about eight team members that run the operations and the marketing and creative work for us. Uh, we have about a hundred personal trainers that run some portion of their practice out of our facility. Um, so again, we wanted to make sure that every single one of those trainers had all the educational uh, benefits, had all of the marketing assistance, everything they would have. So we provide that all to them. Uh, but in a the facility, they run their own business. And then for the client level, again, they get all the amenities, they get all of the services, the one-on-one -on -one amazing customer experience every day. Um, but in a facility that they're able to work directly with the independent trainer. Uh, and again, the last thing I'll say about that, the advantage is that all of our independent trainers, they can build and grow their practice as big and as far as they want to go. There's no ceiling on their income. There's no, there are no requirements on how many hours they're there each week. So it really allows an independent trainer so much freedom to do to, and run the business that exactly how they want it to run. Uh, and therefore, it, we get great longevity of trainers. We have folks who have been here with us for 15 years, the whole time we've been open, uh, because they're happy. They can do whatever they want with their business, and we help them with the things that they have difficulty doing. If they need help with accounting or marketing, we help them with that. So uh, we don't have a lot of turnover. We don't have a lot of folks who go to other facilities. They stay with us because we make sure that they are happy and have everything they could need to, to live their like ultimate business life. So how did that spawn into the business movement? What is the business movement? Excellent question. So when we opened, we knew that we were gonna be providing trainers with educational assistance on the fitness side. We knew they'd need to learn how to like do better assessments and better programming and that type of thing. That was a given. When we opened, we did not realize that the other half of the education that we would need to provide is how to be a better business owner. So we right. had, a ton of fitness entrepreneurs that were new to being a business owner. They were great at the fitness side. We have a really high level, advanced level of trainer that we allow in the door, but they knew nothing about running a business. So the business movement was born out of that education branch that was totally based on entrepreneur, entrepreneurial or small business owner skills training. So uh, basically, we started bringing in education to help people be better business owners. So um, everything from how to market better uh, and even the foundational elements of building your brand, really setting a clear vision and then figuring out how to appropriately get there or even more efficiently get there. Um, all the way up to like planning for retirement, uh, planning all of their uh, financial profit loss forecasting for years coming down the road. Uh, building passive income streams. So the business movement is 100% education based for personal trainers. And honestly, now we also work with gym owners. We work with folks who are either looking to open a gym or they have a gym that's not necessarily operating at capacity and they're wanting to actually beef it up a little bit. So uh, again, uh, the way I describe the business movement is it's custom business development for pioneering fitness entrepreneurs for people who are really looking to not only run a fitness practice, but have a fitness practice that goes above and beyond the market and the expectations in every single way. And that's what we do. That's awesome. So let me circle back to something you said at the very beginning, because, uh, you know, 20 years ago, you're thinking about this whole um, idea of getting into the fitness business, but you didn't think that you could make money in the fitness industry or as a fitness <laughs> professional. So, I, cause I think I, I've talked a lot about this in the podcast and I, I, I get so disheartened when I hear people say, um, 
you know, I, I'm not going to go that route into personal training. So I don't, I don't think you can make money. I don't think it's a, a long-term lifestyle for me that I can, that, that I can have a long-term lifestyle that I want to live. And, you know, I can't earn, I can't earn X amount of money. I can't live off of uh, I, I can't support a family off of it. In your mind, when you were, when you first started out, why did you have that mindset and what shifted? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing in 1998, the fitness industry was very, very different. Personal training was definitely viewed as um, something that was not necessarily for the everyday person and not something you needed. It was a luxury item in a lot of ways back in 1998. So it was a very different industry of trying to find clients who were willing to pay good money for a personal trainer, right? So that was one yeah. of the reasons then for sure. Um, I think the other side of it is again, heading into the independent training uh, direction, I, myself back in 1998, as well as many of the trainers that I work with now, there is a big fear factor wrapped around the idea of being on your own and right. being solo so that you think, okay, well, if my client is on vacation for the month of June or, and I lose two clients at the same time because one's pregnant or whatever, that it, the way the industry goes, there are huge roller coasters of fluctuations and it can be pretty nerve wracking. So honestly, on our side, again, as the business movement, not only do we help provide the support to help you figure out your way through that roller coaster, but we also try and give you guys skills, uh, information, marketing assistance to actually not only be full with your schedule, but to overbook and then understand how to turn that overbooking into passive income opportunities by building a referral trainer base or actually right. expanding more into a passive income use of it. So yeah, that again, it's a fear factor based on uh, just not really having anyone else. You can be feeling like you're a solo person, like floating around in this kind of business owner or atmosphere. Again, Diakati, as well as the business movement, it, that community that brought together all of those, that type of solo entrepreneur into one house, that really helps provide a little bit of a, again, peer support and comfort zone as well. Yeah, I think I feel, I feel like you're right. When, um, well, 20 years ago, obviously, I, I wasn't in the industry. I haven't been in the industry quite that long. I was still in school then. But mm -hmm. I think uh, looking back, um, I I don't know if I really had a thought about what a personal trainer was. I, because, you know, when you're first starting out, at least for me, I thought I would work with, like, athletes or something. You know, everybody, wanted, everybody wants to work with athletes for some reason. And, mm -hmm. uh, and now it's starting to, it's starting to, it's a total, and that's a totally different beast. And those, those guys are definitely necessary, but it's a totally different shift now. And you mentioned like the luxury items. So now we're getting back into in terms of like just, uh, adults who want to be healthy, mm -hmm. you know, and when you take the word luxury item and you put like professional and say, drop the luxury title, like mm -hmm. it fit fitness professionals should be accessible to everyone. Um, but it should be something that we, you know, we should get paid for what we're worth. Like the education part, sure. um, you know, we're, we're blocking off a part of our time, which that's, that's debatable. Like where, the, where the fitness industry is heading in terms of, you know, uh, is it better to do group fitness versus one-on-one -on -one clients? And it's uh -huh. the, the relationship building process is different there. But my, my, my point is that um, we're shifting now from only a select few people being able to use personal trainers to, they're they're more widely available you know almost anywhere you go now 
city to city, you can find small training studios all the way to like those large scale, um, you know, club fitnesses. There's one, I'm, there's a Planet Fitness right behind me, actually. I don't know if you can see them, but you can't see them. I'm in, I'm in my truck, but there's one right behind me. And so there's, there's places all over the place. Now you're not just looking at one big global gym and inside that you've got one personal trainer that everybody's trying to get into. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I will say, uh, uh, granted, San Francisco is a little bit of a bubble market for personal training. The rates yeah. are definitely not the same as across the United States. But the majority of our trainers are definitely making six-figure salaries, the ones that are full-time. Uh, yep. And our average rate, uh, again, San Francisco is a bubble, so don't take this with a grain of salt. Our average rate is about 130 a session. So right. we have folks who charge uh, over 200 a session for some and some like around 100. But I will say I was just in an amazing workshop yesterday uh, and it was talking about a fitness entrepreneur's guide to time and money freedom. And one of the things that we really talked about in terms of charging the rate that you uh, are have earned and are definitely are worthy of, um, the one piece of advice I will give would be whatever market you are in, do excellent research around your competitors right. of the other trainers in your market. What are they charging, first of all? Then go through and comb through what exactly are their education, uh, what's their education, what are their experience and their backgrounds? Um, what are they actually providing as a service? Ex no, the better, I always say Michael Corleone, know your, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. The yeah. better you know your competition, <laughs> the better you will be, uh, yeah. the more educated you will be in determining the rate that is uh, achievable for your market and that matches what your offerings are. So again, you got to know what else is going on up there and then compare what your competitors are doing to what you have education, experience, right. and skill set wise. Then look at the cost where they are, or sorry, the price tag for them, the price tag for you, that'll give you an idea. The second thing I'll say on that, based on that research, Look for areas in your market that have holes or opportunities where a personal trainer is not meeting the needs of that ideal client in that market. Those are your golden eggs. Those are clear opportunities to not only get more clients, but then to be able to charge a rate that is higher than the folks that are your competitors because you're offering a product that one, better meets the needs of the client two goes above and beyond what your competitors are offering and three again you are going to be setting yourself apart as a true differentiated product in your market yep and that, that i'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times when people say uh, when, when they start out in the industry it's very easy to just want to take on everybody at once from a 13 year old all the way to 85 year old because mm -hmm. you don't know like where your income is going to be fluctuating and maybe that's a good thing to, to start testing your market because you might think to yourself for sure i really want to train young athletes and you start training them and you're like oh man i really don't like this i really like my 65 year old who just wants to move and feel better so yeah. i want to hone in on that um Definitely. but but do you so when you're educating me let's say you have like a new personal trainer in your system, do you educate them on starting off right away down a very specific target or do you encourage them to broaden their scope? Right, uh, excellent question. Uh, your first portion where you were talking about doing your research of like trying lots of different bodies out and different populations, 100% agree with that. That's one of the great reasons why a lot of trainers start off as a uh, staff trainer because they're able to just get their hands on lots of bodies. And I do think that's so valuable because I do think a lot of people think, yeah, I just want to work with athletes. 
But when you actually try and start working with corrective clients who are uh, truly a puzzle, that puzzle programming can be so much more fun than athletes a lot of times. But anyway, so yes, I definitely recommend get your feet wet, figure out exactly who you have the most experience in education working with and who you get the best results from. Once you figure that out, two things I'll say. One, try and really tighten in on as tight of a niche as you can. I, it, it feels so uh, kind of going against the grain uh, to, to throw a smaller net out, right? Right. The idea of like, oh, if I don't market to everyone, then I, I'll, I just won't fill my schedule. The thing I'll say about that is look at it from the client side. Like if you really want the best of something, you won't necessarily go to a target that has everything. Like if you wanted a tennis racket, you're one of the best tennis rackets. You don't necessarily go to a Target that has kind of a general merchandise for everything. You go to the specialty tennis store because that is what they're known for. That's what they're best for. And that's what their marketing will speak to you. It's the same thing for training. If you go to a trainer's website and it looks like they're working with kids and seniors and athletes and obese individuals and folks that are just looking, trying to get ready for their wedding, then they're a jack of all trades. And you're like, well, that's not necessarily ideally. You may not see yourself in there. Uh, they're, like perfect client. But if you go to a website that speaks directly to your pain points and your needs, you're far more likely to connect yeah. with that person. The last thing I'll say on it is think about not only who you're good at and who you program and get the most success with, think about who you enjoy working with the most. Because yeah. honestly, if you're going to be the most successful entrepreneur, you're going to have to do some ass kicking hours at work. And in order to do that, you're going to want to enjoy who you're working with. So yeah. It, Take, take that enjoyment level in mind because I think a lot of us overlook that and just go through the grind and yeah. then you're, you're never going to do your best work. All right. So, uh, and then again, eventually that will lead to you being able to, to charge a higher rate. You'll be a better trainer. You won't work, have to work as many hours. It all feeds into this wonderful outcome. Yep. That's exactly right. And you get a benefit of that. Because once you get over the hump of turning people away who don't fit your demographic, when, you, when you're working, let's just say like my, my, my ideal is like a working professional from uh, 35 and up. That's who I specifically enjoy working with. Uh -huh. And once you get used to turning away like that person who's just out of college, just started making some money, you start saying, you know, you know I, you're not my ideal demographic. You know, maybe you have a, a system set up to where you refer them to someone else, though, because you don't want to say the buck stops with me. Sorry, I can't help you. Be a referral system, oh, and and totally. and that's what and and that's what a professional does. A professional says, I, I I'm sorry, I can't help you. Um, someone else is going to be better fit for you. Once you get that uh, comfortable doing that, then down the road, those people who you're working with then become your own referral network, right? Totally. So you've got that you. A person who's 65 years old are probably going to be hanging out with other 65 year olds. And some of them are going to say, wow, you know, you're either moving better or you've lost some weight or uh, your, you know, your knowledge base about health and wellness has, has increased. How do you know all that? Oh, well, my personal trainer or so-and-so, he deals mm -hmm. specifically with, you know, our demographic, go check them out. So, you know, so they're doing the work for you in a sense. 100%. One of the, the big, like, again, golden eggs that we chase in the fitness industry is the idea of passive income. Mm -hmm. And there's a giant swing of folks to head to online training to get some passive income. But online training it takes a giant amount of programming and work and, and yes. upfront, as well as marketing, as well as the fact that if you head into online training, 
the the entire planet is your competition. <laughs> it's not yeah. that you're just competing against folks in your city. You have millions of folks trying to do that. So I will say what you're talking about, building that referral network, that is a much faster, more efficient way of getting passive income because as you refer people out, then you charge a small fee, marketing fee to the person that you sent them to. It could right. be 50 bucks, it could be 100 bucks, 150, whatever, again, matches your market and seems appropriate. Uh, we have trainers who have made a great passive income stream out of uh, maxing out their schedule. You gotta max out your schedule first. Right. Uh, well, sorry, actually, it, depending on the example you gave, you may not have to have a max schedule, but if you're turning folks away because they're not your niche population, right? But right. again, if you're sending folks out, you can have a great little side hustle income stream uh, with that referral fee. It can be an excellent yeah. way to do it. Yeah, that's, and honestly, uh, the way at Mission 5, the way we have it set up is, and that's exactly like we have a five or no we have eight trainers in on our staff and if i can't mm -hmm. take someone well i don't want them to send i don't want to send them to Never. you know just good good luck adios you know I, i'm not sure where you're going to yeah. end up um i do have some friends on the outside of mission five that i know if i know that somebody's going to be a better fit uh someone with rehab or something like that then i'll refer out to them but inside of, a, of our our little uh nest uh we just we have a refer excuse me a referral system set up there's a small fee mm -hmm. attached as yep. long as they keep them for 30 days, then yep. that person who refers collects a referral fee. Um, and I know it's different for every industry. I've heard a percentage up to like a certain amount of time or for one flat fee. So, uh -huh. um, and if a person, if a personal trainer, how do, how do you feel about this? Maybe you have a system set up. If a personal trainer really wants to make a go at a referral system as passive income, what are some of the steps that someone could, could take into doing that? Oh, you know what? I, I'm so glad you asked that because I do think one of the most important mistakes that I've seen people make is they don't thoroughly vet the trainers that they're sending people to. So you have to keep in mind, if a client comes to you and you recommend someone, you are basically pulling that person that you recommended underneath your brand. Right? right, the client is going to kind of match up whatever that other trainer does with the level of quality of your product and your brand as well. So I highly, highly recommend if you are going to do it, the very first step is to come up with a vetting process of exactly the steps that you want to go through with that trainer. I, I'll recommend the same things that we do. One is that we do a full sample intake of a client with that new trainer. So I pretend like I'm the client and that new trainer walks me through their initial conversations. Mm -hmm. They send me a, a, an email, any online forms they want me to fill out. They uh, walk me through all my goals and health history. Then they take me through a live full first session. For us, it's a full assessment session, which I hope it is for everyone else in that industry. Please let that be. So assessment first and have that trainer walk you through their full assessment. And then have them write a sample program for you and right. give it to you in the same format that they would be giving it to that other client. You need to know not only is that going to give you quality control over uh, what exactly that trainer is going to do with your client. It's also going to give you a good idea of who would be a good match for them. So based on what you learned during all that sample vetting, you're going to learn like, yeah, you know, he would be really good with someone who is looking for more of a cheerleader and wanting to lose weight than a superstar NBA player, right? So you start to learn the populations as well as the style of training that would be appropriate to refer to that trainer. Um, I just recommend if you, anyone does do this and heads down this road, 
maintain the quality uh, again of your brand at every step of the way. Make sure that all of those trainers do check-ins, like check in on them and make sure their programs are still running well. Check in with the clients you send to them. It can't be this total hands-off. All right, they're gone. There is a little bit of work in my opinion that needs to be done to protect the quality of your brand. If you're going to do something like that. Yeah, I think so too. And one thing that I've started doing recently is I, even though I have a full schedule and I'm only honing in on a certain type of person, I still market myself across as many platforms as I can. Um, Mm -hmm. And I do it on a, on a fairly low budget. I use a product called Thumbtack. Um, Mm -hmm. I I post on Google quite a bit. I don't pay for Facebook ads or anything like that. I know that people can be successful, but I market to a pretty broad range of person still using all the ethics that I would, I would use with anybody else. But if I get somebody who's 22 years old through my website, I, I send them, I send them a little bit different of a message than I would someone who is in my demographic, but I automatically tell them, you know, let's schedule a phone call. I'd love to help you as much as I can. Uh, and then when I'm on the phone call, then I tell them that unfortunately, you know, I'm not able to, I'm, I'm not accepting uh, clients right now or, you know, maybe you're not my ideal demographic. I know someone who can definitely help you. And then I start the process. So, yep. you know, however you get that person, cause it's hard just to, you, we, I think, especially starting out in the industry, we think that people are just going to fall in our laps. Hey, I'm a personal trainer now, you know, mm-hmm. we're bring on the clients. It's not how you have to put a little bit of legwork into it, but uh, you know, so having, sure. having a, a good website using, using Google to the best of uh, its ability. So like getting listed on Google, um, and then taking in those hits when they come in and and having templates built and sending templates out to people and to get them on the phone and mm-hmm. and not just and not and and not there's a fine line for me between following up on a lead and chasing a lead mm-hmm. like after two emails if I don't hear back from somebody you know okay good luck like that that's fine Definitely. but after but after one email if I don't made or hear anything but there I heard like a, uh, just a glimmer of, you know, there, there could be a connection, whether with me or somebody else, another follow-up or I drop them an email or a text or however the communication is set up. Um, but, but it's so important, like you said, to keep that chain of communication open, even after with, with the trainer that you refer that, that person to making sure that they're a good fit because they should be happy to, Uh because if you send somebody a client who isn't a good fit for you and it turns out they're just a disaster client because there is such a thing. And all of a sudden that trainer's like, man, I'm stuck, but I don't want any more of your referrals because all you send me are just disaster people. Mm-hmm, you sure. know, you have to have that open. Hey, how's that person working out? Can I help out with anything? Oh, you know what? They've missed their last five appointments. I'm not sure what to do. Okay. Let me help you with that. Maybe, maybe, you know, we can find a better fit or, uh, so there might be a little bit more on the back end, like you said, but that's definitely a valuable thing to put forward. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I'll say, uh, you were discussing the idea of that kind of initial communication with clients. We've heard many, many times from our clients as well as our trainers that often the client is going to, if, as, if they're reaching out for a trainer, a lot of times they're reaching out to several folks. Sure. Very frequently, they're going to go with whoever responds to them quick, most quickly and yep. uh, with the quickest professional response. So uh, your response times as a professional have to yep. be immediate. So you have to stay on top of that. Uh, the other thing I'll say is that it, it can feel very overwhelming to a fitness professional of knowing where where is my best time spent? As you mentioned, like you don't do Facebook ads, but you know it works. And people can be like, oh, do I do Google? Do I have Facebook? Like, do I actually right. use Thumbtack? 
the best advice I have on that is to, again, the better you know your ideal client, and this goes back to that same thing of being brave to try and tighten the net of where you're trying to throw, um, the better you know them, the better you should know how they would go about finding your services. So make sure that you have gone uh, through a very thorough kind of research or surveying of your typical client, maybe even ask your own current clients. If you did not have me right now, how would you find another me? And right. that will give you your best first step of where you need to be doing your marketing and spending your time and your money and your budgets. Uh, it, that is such a key question to ask. And that, if nothing else, that's a key reason to know a lot about your niche client and where they do their shopping. Then you can reach out to them in the most efficient way possible. Yeah, and that's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And I started that too. Because you're asking your clients for referrals um, can be tricky, I think. Or, or, or asking them, especially like you said, asking them, you know, if you were still in the market for a personal trainer, where would you go to find me or how did you find me? You got to have that information. One of the first things I do when I hop on a call with someone, I'm like, hey, thanks for reaching out. How did you find me? I want to know where people are. Did they find me through Facebook? Did they find me through a verbal referral? Did they find me just because they did, you know, personal trainer in Cincinnati? Like, how, do my, how am I showing up and how can I get that uh, out there a little more? Right. But if you're working with your ideal client, and maybe we can talk about, you know, when it is appropriate to ask for a referral. Um, I have my mm -hmm. own thoughts on that, but you might also. So after a while, if I know I like working with client X and I've been with them for, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say about three, six, eight months in between that time frame, depending on, you know, their success level and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and are they happy with what they're, what they're going through? Then I'm going to ask them straight to their face. Hey. I'm just going to call this person Joe. Hey, Joe, I really like working with you. I think we have a great relationship. Uh, you can just say, you know, I'm, I'm looking to train more people like you with your work ethic, with this, you know, all these characteristics that you like about Joe and be specific yep. about it. That person probably knows one or two people like himself. And hopefully if you're doing your job right, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll be more than happy to at least give somebody your card, you know, yep, most and, and offer – and, and for me, offering and telling people up front, look, I value your business. If you refer someone to me, I'll be more than happy to give you either a discounted session, a, a complimentary appointment, or whatever it is. You know, everybody yep. has their own way of handling that kind of thing. You know, a duffel bag with gear or swag or something. But for sure. uh, what, what would you say to that? I, and I have a <clears throat> pretty strong piece of advice on that idea of how to reward them. One, I would say... I always say 30% of their first package should go as a reward. So let's say they buy a 10 session package, the, the new client, the new client buys a 10 session package from you for a thousand bucks. We'll say it's a hundred a session. So I honestly, I would give the client who is my current client who referred them, I give them 300 bucks. I would give them a giant reward because that's yeah. basically your marketing fee for them. All it's doing is reducing yeah. the amount of per session that you're going to get for that first 10 sessions. Then it's on your shoulders to make sure you keep that client coming back for more for that full rate. Right. Um, I 100% would say that in the 300 bucks, I also am a big fan of it not necessarily being about their sessions. I love to give them a three. $300, like literally a visa card or $300 cash 
or $150 to their favorite restaurant and $150 cash. Like whatever you want to do, personalize it, make it so it's not just about them getting more of you. <laughs> it's right. about them getting to truly like get whatever they want, right? They've done yeah. this huge thing for you. The other thing I'll say, I think it makes it a lot easier for your current client to recommend your services if you're willing to offer a little bit of a discount to their friend who's coming on. I call it like a friends and family rate. And I'll usually say, your speech was perfect actually. What you said about how I love working with folks who have your drive and your goals and blah, blah, blah. And just say, if you have any friends, I currently have like Tuesday, Thursday mornings open at 7 a.m. And I'm more than happy to give your friends, give anyone that you recommend a friends and family rate for their first 10 sets or first month or whatever you want to say for their first 10 uh, workouts. Uh, and you, you can, any again, that one, 10%, 15%, 20% off, whatever you feel comfortable doing that, again, doesn't make it sound like it's not like 5% off, like that's a waste of time. But it, I would say at least yeah. 10, 15, 20% off, right? Again, it's lowering what you're going to get uh, income wise for those first 10 sessions or for that first month. But then it's on your shoulders to make sure that you provide a service that they cannot walk away from. Right. So yeah, uh, I recommend both those like reward high and then offer something that's like a friends and family rate that again, it makes it sound like as they go to their friend, they're not just like, yeah, my trainer's really great. They can say, Oh, look, my trainer offers a friends and family rate to my friends and he has openings in the morning if you want to give him a try. So it just makes right. it a much easier conversation for them as opposed to putting them in the sales pitch. Right. Right. No, absolutely. And I like, I like that you mentioned the timeframes because I think another thing when now, when you're first starting out, you know, you're like you said, the hustle, you're, you're there 5 a.m. as soon as the gym's open and you want to be available until 9 or 8 p.m. or whatever you're. But anyway, my, my point is like, once you get your times narrowed in, it's okay to tell people like, I'm available during th these times. Uh -huh. Now, of course, you should be established by then because you're a business, right? You're operating yeah. as a business. Um, and if you don't want to be available at 6, 7, 8 p.m. or even 1 o'clock in the afternoon or 9 a.m., whatever it is, even though you know, you can kind of start to pigeonhole yourself, I think, at a certain point. But yep. uh, if you don't want to be available during a certain time, tell people, here are my operating hours. This is when I'm available. Um, and be comfortable saying, no, I, I can't. Uh, I can't take anybody during those times. That That's okay sure. to do. You know what? what I did like, Go oh, ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, based on that ideal schedule idea, we actually put together a blog. It's on the Business Movement uh, website. So the businessmovement.com and then look under the blog. There's a blog called five steps to achieve your ideal schedule. And it really walks through the exact steps that you can take on making sure that you are working your ideal happiest schedule because it is a big deal. Like you said in the beginning, again, we all burn the candle at both ends, but you should get to a point that you are working your ideal schedule within the first few years. And uh, it really is a process of trying to get to that. But yeah, check out that blog. If that's something that any of your listeners are stuck, they're like, yeah, I hate my schedule. Then it's only your own fault. Like you can, there's yeah. a way to get there. Yeah. Check out that blog. It'll maybe give you some good advice on how to get there. And I'll link that to the show notes. Another cool. idea that I have um, that I, I haven't done in a long time because like I said, I'm, I, I'm in a good spot where I am, but if you can compile a list of people who maybe, um, you know, have stopped trading for whatever reason, uh, maybe they, they came in mm. and they, they moved or they're back in town or whatever it is. 
if you can com uh, the trainer can compile a list of emails and then maybe once a quarter you shoot that list of emails your availability if you're really wanting uh -huh. to fill some spots um, and then how, however they can you know get those spots filled whatever if you want to offer a discount offer a complimentary appointments again or or, or uh, whatever it is or maybe set aside certain amounts of time where if you know that pricing is an issue for some people then maybe you schedule a certain amount of time that you're having a really hard time to fill and you send yep. out an email blast saying, Hey, these are for group appointments and these group appointments are less money per person. That's a good, that's yep. a good way to leverage that time and to fill that time. So you don't have a lot of dead time. Totally. And especially as we had into, at least for us, the summer months are always slow. Everyone's on vacation and that kind of stuff. The holidays right. are always slow. As you head into those slow times of year, that's a perfect time to send a message out to those clients who have dropped off. One, because it's summer and it's the holidays, and those are big times that people want to grab some extra training in. Uh, yeah. And it would be great to use as fillers to try and fill the slots. I love your idea of circling back at least once a quarter, though. Uh, mm -hmm. just to stay on their radar. And again, like I, one of my good friends who's a coach down in LA, I just saw an Instagram pop up for him today. He's like, yeah, I just had two slots open up at these times. Definitely keep that stuff on your social media. Let folks know, uh, anytime at all that you want to try and fill, fill a specific time that definitely makes it easier. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah. So Billy, if, uh, if people have any other questions, comments, concerns, like what do you guys have going on right now in terms of uh, educating and, and education and things like that, what's, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. You know what? One of the most valuable shares that we have is we have a monthly free newsletter. It's called Fitness Entrepreneur Insights. And you can, you can grab that off the homepage of our website, thebusinessmovement.com. Uh, every right. single month we focus on a different uh, idea this next month is about building systems in your business last month was social media uh, we really try and focus on one topic and we have everything from a case study of a current client to uh, quick expert uh, insights on how to again how to build systems uh, quick tips um, the other there's one other thing I'm totally forget oh references book references so yeah. whether a book or a podcast or a reference of folks of ways to get more information and better resources on being a better business owner so that comes out uh the set uh, the first tuesday of every month so that stuff is filled with great info the other thing is uh our instagram it's super easy at business movement not the but at business movement uh our instagram is really our goals i mean the instagram is to share as much quality information as we can uh yeah. there are not a ton of pictures of me smiling on the beach in mexico it's truly <laughs> trying to share information i really want to help folks get wherever they want to go yeah. um i was super fortunate when we were building the Akati and building my business that I have lots of friends and lots of great advice and lots of great mentors and coaches along the way. And I'm really trying to pay it forward and pay it back. So our Instagram and our fitness entrepreneur insights, again, there's nothing in there that you're having to pay or we don't send you tons of emails. It really, you're just going to get lots of great quality information. So feel free to check those guys out. Really, I think what you guys are doing and you just said it, like you're trying to pay it forward. I've said it on the podcast before, but if we've got, fitness professionals like yourself and like the people that helped you, people who have helped me. If we've got this big network of people that want to make the industry better and we want that for ourselves because we know what the industry has done for us, then yep. why not pay that forward? Why not get that information out, especially for free? Um, you know, find a mentor, find somebody who's been there and done that and who has failed 
as well as succeeded because, uh, you know, those people who are still in it and who have failed and are honest enough to, to tell people about it, those are, that's just as valuable as someone who is, you know, a billionaire and, you know, who, who's all over the place and who says that, you know, they've made it happen because yep. that's a special kind of person also. So wow. if you're, if you're, if you're really in it, it uh, you know, I highly recommend reaching out to, to people like you and uh, I'm, I really appreciate all the information you're putting out there. I'm glad you could hop on this and share some info. For um, sure. And having, again, just as you said, having that coach or mentor to just check in with you uh, to give you some, again, accountability or even more importantly, yeah. like creative insight, like it is, it is invaluable. It is what I still have a business coach myself. Uh, yeah. I have so many mentors that I reach out to from different areas of the industry. So yeah, if there's anything at all that like I can help out with that, definitely let me know. Awesome. Well, Billy, have a great rest of your day. <laughs> Thank we, you. And we will talk to you very soon. Thanks, Eric. Thanks so much for your time. Keep doing what you're doing, man. You're doing great stuff. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com.